armchairgenealogy.com. The Genealogy Guy podcast. Demystifying technology and exploring family tree research. Please remember to subscribe and share the podcast with family and friends. Welcome along to the first edition of armchairgenealogy.com with me, the Genealogy Guy UK. The aim of the podcast is to give help and tips, not just from me, but from the listeners by sharing your own knowledge. So drop me an email with any suggestions, either about content or people to interview. In this edition, we will be talking exclusively with Mark Bailey, who is Head of Online Development at the Genealogist.co.uk. By the way, do listen out very carefully for a special offer that Mark gives the listeners of this podcast, where you can get a discount of £40 off an annual subscription, plus a free subscription to Discover Your Ancestors online magazine. Genealogy.com for generations of all ages. When I was at this year's family history show at Kempton Park Racecourse in London, I had the opportunity to sit in on a very interesting talk about the usefulness of using maps and the great work that's been done digitizing and connecting databases of information and layering them. Leading on from that, I'm going to talk to Mark Bailey, who who gave the presentation, and find out a bit more about using online maps generally, and then what the new developments are and what it actually means for genealogists. So welcome along, Mark. What's your background? Because I, I mean, I can... I can give you the the title of the online genealogy expert, but what does that mean? What do you actually do? What's your take on it? My job title is the the head of online development for the genealogist. I've been involved in genealogy from from a young, very young age. Um, my my parents set up S and N Genealogy Supplies uh, back in 1992, and myself and my two brothers were around all the various family history fairs throughout the country um, every weekend. And I've, I've basically grown up with a genealogy, but B uh, computers. Um, my my dad has a big fascination in in technology and and in computers and specifically uh, writing printer drivers for one thing, and then working on on genealogy based programs and things like that. So I I had a, a general interest in in both those features. And when I went off to university uh, for my dissertation project, I. I I studied computer science. I created a a web viewer for family trees that would import a JCOM file. Back in the days before, you could get an online tree with Ancestry, FamilyPass, or ourselves. Um, so yes, it was a, a very early days web viewer for for family trees, and that grew into what we have as TreeView today on on the Genealogist. So that's that's my background. I, I graduated off from university and then joined the company to bring my dissertation project into a, a production-ready model that, that we released as the first version of TreeView, which now exists online in multiple versions ahead, but also on, on apps for tablets and phones and uh, software as well for Windows and Mac. Let's talk about maps generally. What is it about the maps that are so useful to genealogists? Maps give a, a huge amount of context to the sort of dry records that you normally see when you're a genealogist. So Genealogy is all about the dates and places and names, um, which you can get from birth, marriage, death records, and census and things. But we we like to give more context and tell you more about your ancestors' lives. So we specialize in in broadening that sort of record range 
we've released all sorts of different records that can tell you more about your ancestors' lives. Uh, again, that's it's a kind of a descriptive form, but maps are one stage ahead. I would say they're they're a visual form. You can you can see, like I say, it gives you that kind of context. So not only can you use maps to see where your ancestor lived, but you can also see what that area was like. Because, for example, if you take Milton Keynes. It's very different today than it would have been in the sort of mid 1800s. Maps, especially if you've got multiple different periods of maps, you can go through those periods and, and see how an area developed and grew. Uh, but also it gives you that geographical context at that point in time. You can see obviously where your ancestor lived, but maybe where they worked, where they went to church, where they went to school. And you can draw these sort of connecting lines and see how relationships develop. You might realize how an ancestor met their their wife through his uh, commute to work, as it were. Get all these extra interesting stories from maps. Well, I mentioned earlier about the the overlaying of databases. Can you elaborate more on that? Because it it sounds very technical, but for the viewer, it's it's fascinating. Yes, yes. We'll, we'll put some pictures up as well so the viewers can see how this all works. We kind of known now for, for our, our map-based records, we digitized many different periods of maps and we decided we needed a better way of displaying these because, for example, we had tithe records from the 1830s uh, and we would show a person a, a pin on the map where their ancestor's property was. And that's all very well and good, but what would be really nice is to show the the user where that that pin would be today so they can see where they you know, visit their ancestral home. So we built an interface called Map Explorer and we geo-referenced our, our historical maps and records. Geo-referencing is where you, you basically stick on a historic map onto a modern map and make sure it all aligns up so that you can use the interface, the, the Map Explorer, to view, for example, this tithe record and you can change an opacity slider. So you can go from the historic tithe map through to the modern day map and see exactly where that pin is. But then we've added all our other Ordnance Survey historical maps. So you can change through these various map layers going from the 1890s to the 1920s and 30s, 40s, 50s, and see how that area developed over time. So we kind of describe it a bit like a time machine you can go back and see where your ancestor's home was and then transform yourself through time and see how that area changed what i found virtually great was the fact that the censuses and then you can click on odd properties that are close to where what you're looking at and you can find the details linked straight through to transcriptions of what was from the census yes that's a very good point actually we but more recently not only have we been adding our map-based records to Map Explorer, but we've also geo-referenced our other record sets, such as you said with Census. So we can show you when you view an ancestor in the Census records, we can show you below those records uh, a map with a pin showing you where that house is. And if you click that the map with a pin, it will bring the whole lot up into Map Explorer. And you can click on every house then, so you can see who was living next door to your ancestor, or you know where who was the landlord of the local pub and things like that. So you can really see a that kind of like we can say again the context of that particular area in that particular time. It was interesting as well that with the tithe maps. It, it also it tells you who the landowners are in that area, not just who's living in the property, but actually who owns it. Yes, yeah, because these were sort of essentially tax records they they needed to record obviously a, a large amount of detail the the owner and the occupier of every land 
um, land parcel. So it gives you um, sort of both sides of society, a higher landowning aristocracy, but also your tenant farmers that may have only owned a, a few acres of land. And that's the case not only with our tithe records from 1836, but also moving forwards to 1910, we have a, another record set called the Lloyd George Doomsday Survey, also known as the, the 1910 Land Survey. So again, that was another snapshot in time in 1910, uh, where the, the government were trying to introduce a new tax based on the increase in value of a, a property over time due to government spending. They needed to then survey every single property in the country to to take a snapshot of, of the value of that house at that time so that when the person comes to sell it or it's inherited, they can send the surveyors out and see how much that property is increased in value and then t- tax the, uh, the the people on, on that amount. It, the tax was never actually introduced, but the, the survey was completed and was kept alive for five years between 1910 and 1915. So it was a living document, which is quite, quite interesting. So yeah, you, you've got these sort of record sets that allow you to to go from one time to another. So you can see who was owning a field in, in 1836 with the tithe records, and you can jump ahead to 1910 with the Lloyd George Doomsday and see if the family still own that that area of land. You can even go as far back as uh, 1086 with the Doomsday records, which are also on Map Explorer. So you can see a wide variety of, of different periods. Now, I appreciate it's it's a lot of data because it's not just the maps, it's the data that overlays on the maps as well. So I'm assuming that it's you haven't done the entire UK yet. There, there must have been key areas that you've concentrated on. Yes. Well, for, for the tithe records, we have the whole of England and a few counties of Wales. And in the next month or so, we'll be adding the, the entirety of Wales on, onto Map Explorer. Uh, for the Lloyd George Doomsday, we have covered the area of Greater London, um, and we're working our way through the home counties at the moment. So I, I believe we've got London, Middlesex, uh, Bedfordshire, Buckinghamshire. We've just released Oxfordshire. Uh, Berkshire was also released. Um, so we're also coming up in the, the lineup. We've got Surrey, Northamptonshire. Um, so there's, there's plenty more more home counties. We're hoping to, to finish the home counties in the next sort of year and work our way out. But it's a, it's a mammoth project. It's about four times the size of the 1911 census, just to give you an idea of scale. Uh, that, that, that is a, a lot of work, but it does it saves a lot of legroom for people that are trying to try, trying to track their own family and then realise that they're in a completely different area of the country and they can actually call it up on a map and, and try and get their head around what's actually happening in that area. It's really handy to to well follow a family through the country as well. Um, and we've got lots of plans for new additions um, and modifications to Map Explorer to help help people track uh, a family through time via the maps. Um, and we're also able to to let a, a person search these maps to to well find their. You could find your your own home today by typing in your postcode um, in in the the search box and then see who was living in your house during the census years. But uh, we also have a historic search as well that lets you search for a historic address. Maybe the street was bombed out during the Second World War or made way for new property developments, and therefore that street doesn't exist, so you can't search for it today. But we have a historical database of place names that you can search for a, a street that may not exist, and it will jump to that location. So what you're saying is even if the place doesn't exist on a map today, it can still find it through the database. Exactly. And then it'll be able to show you a contemporary map so you can see what the property kind of outline would have been and, and where it would have situated. Yeah. The other thing that I really liked about the the way the map works is that you can change the opacity and look through 
up to up to three layers of maps at one point, uh, according to what what's available in the areas that you've got to. And I think just being able to like slide through and keep jumping between the two time periods, you can really get an idea of where exactly a building was and where an entrance even was. You have a the base layer we call it the the modern day maps which you can go between either an open street map or a survey map or even a satellite image um from from modern day times then you've got the middle layer we call that the historical map layers so you can pick uh, an ordnance survey map from the 1890s or the 1920s 30s 40s or 50s to give you some sort of contemporary uh location data and then finally we have the top layer which is our record set layer so this would overlay pins across the, the whole set of maps with the link to the actual records of of who we're living in that particular time in that particular place but also this record set layer can include maps in itself for example the tithe records or the lloyd george doomsday survey so you can in one point you can have three maps on on the same screen for the same place and use these opacity sliders to go through the maps as it were see through a map and then go down to the the modern day base layer and see exactly where that place is located can individuals put their own pins on if they want to actually tag themselves sort of thing their own properties or their own own families that doesn't exist at the moment in in map explorer but we are working on a new version of tree view which will be web-based and we are trying to integrate as much of map explorer into tree view as possible so you'll be able to add your ancestor into tree view and you can pin particular events or locations for an ancestor and be able to display them through these various different map layers and and see a family uh, all pinned out on the map. I always talk to people and try to explain about things like file formats. You mentioned right at the beginning about GEDCOM files, which lots of people still have no idea. They've got it all written down on pieces of paper and Word documents, which is great, but it's, it, it means that you can't integrate them with things like databases and the work that you're doing. Yes, yeah. I mean, I really recommend if your listeners are using spreadsheets or paper, that that is good in its own way, but I'd really recommend importing your data into a a family tree package, whether it's software like Family Tree Maker or TreeView, or an online tree like such as TreeView on on the genealogist. I'd really recommend you do that because it, it allows you to display that data um, in so many different ways. You can produce reports and charts and get the next generation infused in the family tree when it's all on on sheets and sheets of paper there's dry details it, it's not as interesting to the younger generation but displaying charts with photographs and even maps showing you where people lived it it makes it just more interesting and having that sort of interactive nature of an online tree really helps so the, yeah the next version of tree view you can invite your family members too so you can invite your, your grandchildren to your family tree so they can browse around the tree and even help you research and add new records to to that family tree and that's the other key one is once they're digitized you can you can share it across the continents i mean you're exactly just, you're not tied yeah. to just somebody's bedroom you can actually send them the link and they can see what information you've got and you can add more information podcast by contacting us info at armchairgenealogy.com these maps are they now in the public domain somebody has to digitize them but were they in the public or have you had to buy all these maps in or or are you always looking for new maps we are always looking for new maps yes definitely so if 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 anyone's aware of a 
and a map-based record set that we we haven't yet digitized, do get in touch um, and we'll pursue that. But we have uh, partnerships with different libraries and archives um, where we uh, partner with that particular organization to scan in their maps, digitize them, georeference them, and put them, you know, stitch them together in this format so that users can see not just one sheet of a map, but the entire country that they can zoom in and drag around and and navigate. So it makes it much more accessible to, you imagine back in the days before these these records were online, having to go to the National Archives, find the uh, apportionment record for your ancestor by manually paging through hundreds and hundreds of pages in, in a book for that particular village, find the person listed, realize the plot number and the map number, then you'd have to go back to the National Archives, request that map, and then heave it onto a big, big desk that the biggest maps we've digitized are probably the size of a half a tennis court so you can see these are quite big unwieldy things and when you're trying to, to digitize and conserve them yeah trying to find one plot on on a large map like that might be time consuming whereas now having them all available online and accessible like that means you can basically click your the uh, record for your ancestor and within seconds you're viewing a map exactly located down to the pin where their their property was and not only that but you can use the opacity sliders to see the modern day map and know exactly where that field stands today do you connect with local history groups from around the uk as well we partner with different societies and organizations volunteer groups so uh, many different family history societies have submitted their records onto the genealogist um, and they can earn a revenue that way through people accessing and viewing their records um, and I also go around the country talking to various different groups, history groups, uh, a lot more local history groups nowadays with obviously being very interested in, in the maps for their particular area, uh, but also family societies and, and events like the Family History Show. The mathematics behind getting the map to the right size to overlay so it matches with current day maps just is, must be astounding. So the, the process of adding these historical maps to the genealogist is is a, a, a quite a, a tricky one. So we'll, we'll start by obviously conserving the map first of all at, at the the archive location. And so if we're talking about ties records, for example, that's in in the National Archives in in Kew in London. So we digitise it on a a large format book scanner. Uh, like I was saying, some of these maps are incredibly large, too large to be scanned in, in one go. So we have a, a large sort of tabletop that uh, can be rotated around. So the map's not touched itself to keep moving it and moving it to scan each portion of the map. It's on a large table that can be scanned. It could be rolled across, scanned again. Then the table spins around. You can so you can scan a, a large amount of the map, and then those digital images are digitally stitched together to create a, a single map for that village or location. Then once we've got this stitched digital image, we have a, a volunteer website called UK Indexer. So people can volunteer up at ukindexer.co.uk to help us on, on many of the, our different projects, such as our, our map georeferencing. They can earn then credits towards a free subscription to the geologist. So on, on UK Indexer, we have expert volunteers that we allow on the, on the map projects that will bring up the historic uh, maps, in this case, tithe records, for example. So bring up the tithe map and it will the the system on UK Index will then bring up a a modern day version of this map for the parish, and then the the volunteer will pick sort of landmarks and locations that are quite accurate, say the junctions of crossroads or um, the bridge over a river, 
and they'll pick say up to five or more points on on a map and the system from that can morph the historic map to match those points to the modern map so even if the the tie surveyor at the time might have got his measurements off slightly and it wasn't true to to form or see it wasn't as accurate as modern day ordnance survey maps are today um the system can morph that map slightly to to make it fit as an exact match across the the, the modern day map so it creates these sort of georeference maps as we call them we then chop these georeference maps up into tiny little tiles as, as we call them and it will the map explorer system will display these tiles at whatever resolution you're zoomed into. So even though these maps for a, a tithe map for a particular village could be several gig in the size, which would obviously take a few hours to, to download, it can only show you the, the small sort of tiles for the current area you're zoomed in. And therefore that's why Map Explorer is always instant to load those historical maps, despite it being a huge um, file in its entirety. So that's the, the whole process and how, how it manages to work so efficiently. You need a real pinpoint accuracy because once you're off by a few meters on one pin and the other pins can go off by a few meters, you'll end up from one side of the map matching to the other side of the map being well off and it would it just it wouldn't look right. So that's why we need to well, A, use our sort of the expertly trusted volunteers, and B, we need to have a more precise sort of pinpoint location. But uh yes, yeah, so after our volunteers have georeference the map it then goes through to the arbitration team which is our in-house uh, data team that double check that all the points line up correctly um before they go into to map explorer that's what amazes me is when you do change the opacity it matches up even when as you say it's a very old map and you can clearly see they didn't get it exactly measured properly it still makes it work so you can actually see the buildings that are still standing some of them now so that's a, another good point actually is it these maps and map explorers, not just of interest to genealogists. We found all sorts of interesting other hobbyists that have discovered map explorer and these maps and, and use them for their own purposes. So obviously social and local historians love these kind of maps, but also we found groups like uh, metal detectorists that are fascinated by the the tithe maps on, on map explorer because it means that they can find locations of buildings um, and footpaths and things that don't exist today and they always find that the best sort of bounty as it were in fields where these unknown buildings were so no no other metal detectors have, have gone through that area yet <laughs> the other thing i was now on, on the different layers that you're on there you've also got a collection of like one of the tabs is under graves yes we have obviously map-based records on, on Map Explorer, but also, as you spotted with the census, we're, we're georeferencing other record sets. So we've got headstones, we've got war memorials, we've got an image archive with tens of thousands of images, and for the majority of them, we can place them down to within a metre of the uh, where the camera was. So we've georeferenced all our um, image archive as well. So you can pick any of these different record sets within the record layer, and it'll display pins on, on those locations. This is something that we're currently working on. So we have, as you say, georeferenced the census from the 1939 register back to 1871. We're working on the last three years of census at the moment. But we're also working on BMDs and parish records. For example, if your ancestors got married in a parish, it would be at the parish church. We want to be able to show you the pin where they got married on that church. So, yeah, we've got a lot of uh, other records that we're working on at the minute. So we've got 
an exciting couple of years coming up with new releases on Map Explorer. The other one was pubs. Are the databases out there for for logging all the old pubs and inns? I've had actually somebody come up to me on one of my talks I gave last year and said that they were a, a pub enthusiast um, and wanted to record as much information about the old pubs um, that don't exist today. And he was loving the fact that he could use the census records um, and basically, we have a, a search tool called the keyword search, which allows you to search for a, a keyword for a particular record. And because we transcribe all the fields and census, such as the occupation um, and the street address, he was able to type in things like landlord and public house and things into keywords, find out all the local pubs in a particular area, and then using Map Explorer can see exactly where they were located. So he he really loved that. Once the data is available, how many other people suddenly realised they can benefit from it. I mean, people who trace their own properties that they live in, there's a whole genre of like genealogists that are just interested in the, the houses that they live in. Yes, yeah, so I spoke to, um, for House Histories, the, the Twitter group, uh, a while back, and we were talking about the various things that you can do on on tracing a particular house's history. So we, we looked at a particular case study, and the, it's just amazing the amount of detail you can pull up on, on one place just by jumping to that place on Map Explorer and then literally just going through each individual record set on the uh, drop-down list and seeing what records are for that location for that period and that period. So you can do a, a case study just jumping through time on one location. And it, you, something that would have taken you, you know, maybe all day, you can do it in a matter of five, 10 minutes and get all the, the details of one property straight away. It's incredible work. I mean, I'm, I'm just blown away with the, the amount of work that's gone on behind the scenes that make it so such a, such a visual experience. Because we're coming towards the end, I could I could carry on chatting you for hours because like <laughs> you, you've got loads of information. But what's your favourite time period? I mean, you're into history and genealogy and maps. Have you got a particular passion that you get really excited about? A particular moment in time? I really like early census, um, but particularly I, I like the eighteen thirty six tithe records. I think are my favourite records, just because it's before the first census, um, and it meant that I could see my, my ancestors at, at that time were all in Lyd in in Kent, um, and I could see their farmsteads in in Romney Marsh for the first time. I could see exactly where they were located because in eighteen forty one, the, the enumerators at the time just put Romney Marsh Lyd. You know, it's a big area to, to try and locate your ancestors. But with tithe records, I could go straight down to the fields that he owned, and I could see where his farmhouse was. So yeah, that's I think that's my, the most exciting record for me. The personal aspects that you find when you're talking to a genealogist, generally, there's always a personal passion, something that they really go, this is so good. And you've just hit the nail on the head with the, the tithe records. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to one day going over to, to to Romney Marsh and finding that farmhouse to see what's what's still there. If there's any kind of records of the uh, of of the Baileys in in that farmhouse still. Well, thank you very much, Mark. It's been a, a fascinating conversation, and as I say, I I could carry on and carry on chatting for ages. If people want to find out more generally about about maps and all that sort of thing is is there a place that you can point them off to just to get going and what they should be looking for yeah sure so if, if you go to the geologist.co.uk slash maps you can find all about map explorer and the map based records we have I, there's a little video on that page too and for all your listeners we are happy to give a a discount on a diamond subscription so if they go to the genealogist.co.uk slash ag23 they'll be able to save £40 off a, a diamond subscription and also get a 12-month subscription to Discover Your Ancestors online magazine. Oh, 
Fantastic. I'm sure that some some of the listeners will be going, oh, what a discount, because that's <laughs> that's how people, they think, well, is it as good as they make out? Once you're into a particular piece of software and you realise what they've got, it saves you so much time. Look forward to, to welcoming new new people joining on the Geodist, uh, all your listeners. And once again, thank you very much, Mark. Thank you very much, Mark. Cheers. And remember to subscribe to the podcast to be informed when new editions are published.